Hello and welcome to What Sports. This is your host, Mike Jones, here with you. And for today's episode, we're going to kind of do a primer for the NBA season, seeing that the preseason kicks off, or tips off, I should say, here in a little over a week. Very, a lot happened, but very condensed in this NBA offseason. And we're going to just quickly go through team by team, kind of an overview of what happened. And at the end, uh, look a little more in depth at the Nuggets, the team closest to my heart personally. But let's start off by looking at the Atlanta Hawks. Really, you look at all the moves that happened, players going out, players coming in, a lot of turnover in Atlanta. Uh Long legend, really, of the game. Vince Carter, no longer with the team. Uh, got rid of some depth at their four. Their, really, their like five position. Uh, Deadman no longer on the team. Damian Jones, no longer on the team. LeBissier, no longer on the team. But what's actually more interesting to me is some of the names they bought, brought in. Uh, spent some... Big money to bring in Bogdan Bodanovich, brought in Danilo Gallinari, and also uh, another veteran presence behind Trey Young, brought in Rajam Rondo. Not to mention sixth overall pick, rookie out of USC, Okongu. I do apologize if I messed that name up, but you look at the roster as a whole, and it's actually a very intriguing roster to me. A lot of, you know, high-capital young players. I mean, out of course, you have Trey Young, was a fifth overall pick. You've already been able to see the potential and the game-changing ability he has. But then you throw in last year, they had two first-round picks. Cam Reddish with the 10th overall pick, and DeAndre Hunter out of Virginia with the 4th overall pick. And you have John Collins, was a 19th pick a few years ago. I think he is a lock to start for them, along with Trey Young. And then probably Bogdan at the 2, but then you start thinking about what the 3 and the 4 are going to look like. I mean, besides John Collins, are they going to go with Danilo? Uh, really play him as a stretch 4? Uh, Clint Capella, a trade acquisition last year, are they going to slot him in? He doesn't add a ton of range, but a lot of athleticism inside. And is Hunter going to slide in at that three? I mean, they spent a fourth overall pick on him. Really, to sum it up, a team that is very interesting to me, looking at them and what they're going to be going forward. A lot of unproven talent, but a lot of turnover, which... With there only being three preseason games, with there being a truncated offseason, how long is it going to take them to really get into a rhythm? And since they're so young, in a normal offseason, I'd say maybe this is a team that competes for that 8th, 7th seed out east. I'm not sure if they can this year, but long-term projection, I do like what they're putting together there in Atlanta. Next up, we have the Boston Celtics, a team that has their established stars already, and they're not necessarily looking for somebody to rise up. They're more looking to 
for those role players, for those guys that really fill out and complement Brown and complement Tatum. Obviously, they're going to be running Kimba back. It, it's unclear when he's going to be able to play, but Kimba, Brown, Tatum, those guys were all givens. Uh, they did lose Gordon Haywood this offseason and Enos Cantor. Not sure how much you're really going to feel either one of those. Hayward, definitely a scoring presence, but I think that it's money that they didn't need to spend. But losing them, they were able to bring in Tristan Thompson. One of the big deficits on this team was an interior presence. Uh, Cantor was there, but he was not really a defensive presence inside. Thompson is a bit of an upgrade. He's not, you know, he's not going to make an all-defense team, but he is an upgrade over Cantor. And then they also spent a draft pick on Peyton Pritchard, number 26 overall, out of Oregon. I like that pick. And really, overall, name recognition, you're losing off of Gordon Hayward to Peyton Pritchard. But as far as on court production, I'm not sure that they're really going to notice a drop-off. Um, this team is really just betting on Brown in particular, because we, we kind of seen Tatum take that step next, last season, but Brown in particular taking that step to try to put them over the edge and take them to the NBA Finals, where they've been so close in the last few years, but haven't been able to reach that promised land. And then just a side thing of note for me personally is Taco Fall. Is he actually want to get a chance to come in? I kept waiting for them last year to work him into the rotation, especially with the obvious weakness they had in inside. And you have this 7-6 guy who, yeah, his, his skill set is limited, but what isn't limited is his reach. But they never did. We'll see if... After a year in the system, a year coaching under under uh, Brad Stevens, if Tacos earned the ability to get on the court a little more with some more regularity in the regular season. I'm not saying he's going to go out there and be some all-pro or anything, but I would be interested to see him get some playing time. Next up, we have the Brooklyn Nets, and, uh, well, you can make the argument their biggest offseason acquisition this season is the same as last season, Kevin Durant, since he didn't play at all, really, uh, for the Nets in the 2020 or 2019-2020 season. They lost a couple of, couple of interesting pieces. Musa moved on, and Jamal Crawford, that consistent player that he is no longer with the team and Wilson Chandler you Nuggets fans familiar with him no longer with the Nets either and didn't really replace those guys with anybody of real sustenance to me offhand at least uh, Jeff Green is added to the Nets lineup but this is really just about seeing what they really have in the core that they put together last season but was never able to see on the court together. Kyrie Irving will be playing. Kevin Durant will be playing. Obviously, they have Jarrett Allen 
in the middle. And they had also brought in DeAndre Jordan last offseason. And seeing where they can get, how far they can get with the this team as it is. They spent some big money to hold on to um, some of their players, namely Joe Harris, the sharpshooter on outside. Doesn't really bring a whole lot more to the game, but he is a prolific three-point shooter. So, hey, those, those are nice to have on your team. But the Nets were definitely in the conversation this offseason. Rumor-wise, obviously, they were a rumored destination for James Harden. Uh, Harden doesn't really want to stick it out in the Rocket with the Rockets organization after they imploded that whole thing. Went all in on small ball and then got rid of the coach that was trying to go with that. And that roster is just a mess, really, outside of Harden and now John Wall. And Harden doesn't want to be a part of that from reports. And it was rumored that he wanted to go to the Nets. But the Rockets are shutting that down, saying they have no interest in moving on from Harden. Now, the buzz around the Charlotte Hornets. There's actually a lot of positive buzz about this team right now. And, you know, obviously, number three overall pick, LaMelo Ball, is a huge part of that. They also got uh, big man uh, Duke Vernon Carey Jr. in the early on in the second round, who I think was a good pickup where he was drafted. And then we talked about Gordon Hayward leaving Boston. This was his destination. He ended up in Charlotte. And those three players, well, two in particular, Ball and Hayward, they figured to be probably the the core of the offense, at least. Uh, not a whole lot else to talk about on this team. Last season, the Marlin, the Martin twins uh, from Nevada both ended up on the Hornets. I was actually really excited to see that they were able to get on a team together. And, you know, I'll be pulling for them to get some PT on the court. I think it's just kind of a fun story. You got brothers playing together. And identical twin brothers at that playing together. I just think it's I think it's something cool. But I would not expect a whole lot out of the Hornets this season. And we'll see if LaMelo can be the better of the Ball brothers. Who actually all three, or I shouldn't say all three, but three Ball brothers in the NBA right now. And will LaMelo be the best one in this coming season? Most people think that will be the case. Who knows, because he doesn't have a whole lot to work with around him in Charlotte. So, Charging up next, we have the Chicago Bulls. Uh, outgoing Chris Dunn, really the highlight there. I mean, as much of a highlight as Chris Dunn is, he actually ended up on Atlanta. But, like I said with that, I don't imagine he's going to get a ton of of play behind Young and Rondo. But as far as incoming players, that's where it's a little more interesting. Noah Vonley, for those Nuggets fans out there, name you'll recognize, uh, spent time with the team last season, obviously. He signed with the Bulls. And the number four overall pick, Patrick Williams, probably the biggest acquisition and what they're hoping 
put their putting their hopes in to kind of change things around in Chicago. Most of those hopes lie in Patrick Williams. They did re-sign Denzel Valentine for what that's worth. But, again, a team that's hoping for the young guys to really take that next step. Outside of Laurie Markkinen, they don't really have a proven dude who puts any fear in the opponents. Uh, they spent a sev- the seventh overall pick on Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, at Duke a couple seasons ago, but he's, I mean, he's good. Uh, they spent the seventh overall pick last year on Kobe White. He, we'll see. But you, you're putting together, if you're a Chicago fan, you're at least hoping that the team started to put together a young core that maybe can grow together and take take that step together like you've seen the Nuggets do. With, with Kobe White at the point, I'm assuming Patrick Williams probably at small forward. Uh, with Zach Levine, they still have a good amount of money tied up in him. Laurie Markkinen and Wendell Carter. If one or two of those guys can kind of show that, you know, they, they can be somebody. This could be an interesting team, uh, but I don't see that happening in this next season. And then you slide over to the Cleveland Cavaliers a team that actually reminds me uh, a bit of the Bulls in where they kind of are as a franchise and what they've done in with their recent high draft picks. Uh, but they didn't lose a ton of noticeable talent because there wasn't a ton of talent on the team to begin with. I mean, Tristan Thompson is gone, like we mentioned before, but I don't know how big of a loss that really is. Uh, he had he had gotten that big contract with the Cavs, and a lot of that had to do with LeBron James, not necessarily with Thompson and his actual ability. Uh, but they brought in a few, a couple interesting um, pieces. Thon Maker, a tall seven foot guy who who can has range, very raw and unproven. Uh, JaVale McGee brought in from the Lakers, I mean, serviceable, not a game changer, kind of a thug out there. Uh, and then their fifth overall pick, though, they brought in Okoro from Auburn. Very athletic, um, kind of raw but very athletic, lots of upside there with him. And they re-signed Matt Delavidova. So you look at the roster, though. The reason I say it kind of reminds me of what Chicago had done is they've spent high draft capital on their backcourt, whether it is, you know... Colin Sexton with an eighth overall pick out of Alabama a couple seasons ago. And then last season, uh, Garland out of Vanderbilt with a fifth overall pick. And they're, a lot of their hopes, I feel like, kind of rely on one of those guys really being able to take control and run that point effectively. And then this year, they spend their high draft pick on a Coro, a athletic wing. Um, I mean, obviously not... Exactly the same as Williams for the Bulls, but 
I see similarities there as far as how this team is kind of being built. Uh, difference is they have a little more proven veteran starter talent. I mean, namely Kevin Love. Obviously, he's not what he used to be. But Kevin Love is still a starting caliber player in the NBA, in my opinion. And they brought in Andre Drummond last season. Uh, a big bruiser inside with who has added some range. It's an interesting team, the Cavs. But unless one of those guards really takes a step, or maybe Okoro takes a step, um, not a team that's really going to put a lot of fear in anybody. But let's charge ahead to the Mavericks. Um, really good team last year. That duo of Donkic and Porzingis, really dynamic. Big question mark is Porzingis' health. But as long as those two are healthy, this is definitely a playoff team and potentially a deep playoff team, depending on if they can get any consistent contribution from their role players or, you know, maybe have somebody step up to really be that third piece on a consistent basis. Uh, they didn't lose too much this season. I mean, they lost a couple of recognizable names because they used to be um, well thought of potential. I mean, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, Justin Jackson, relatively, I mean, they were high draft picks. They were lottery picks back in the day. Not really anybody that I feel like they'd really be missing. Seth Curry leaves the team. That'd probably be the most noticeable and most felt departure, I feel like, for the Mavericks. But then they brought in, they spent their 18th uh, pick on Josh Green, bringing him in. And then two second-round picks, they're able to bring in Tyrell Terry from Stanford. And my personal favorite, somebody who I was actually kind of hoping the Nuggets would end up with, and purely for the defensive athleticism, Tyler Bay picking him up with the sixth pick in the second round. Steal, in my opinion. But you look at this roster, I mean, Brunson, second round pick from last season, uh, I felt like really played well for them uh, down the stretch of the season. Obviously, you have Donkic, Porzingis, those are obvious starters right there. And then Tim Hardaway Jr., a good role player. You, you know what he is at this point in his career, though. And then you have another couple, you know, good role players. I mean, Willie Cauley-Stein, you have Boban that, you know, maybe even more well-known for his acting career at this point. But you don't, you look at this roster and there's nobody on here that you really look at and you say, oh, this guy can be that untapped potential that might take the Mavs over that edge. Uh, the closest thing to that would probably be either Brunson or maybe this Josh Green comes in and, you know, he was an 18th overall pick, but sometimes those later, those later picks, you don't have to be in the lottery to come in and make an immediate impact. And maybe that Josh Green 
is that. Then the Pistons came out firing, I mean, a lot of movement on this team. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve players listed as departures from the Pistons this offseason. Twelve players. And you look at what they brought in. Um, I mean, probably most notably, they brought in Jeremy Grant. Spurned the Nuggets to go to a team where he felt like he had more potential to grow and expand his personal repertoire as an NBA player. Can't necessarily hold that against him. As a Nuggets fan, disappointing, but he's got to do what he feels is best for him. Also, Mason Plumlee went up there, so maybe... You know, the Pistons are trying to capture a little bit of what made a little bit of being Nuggets East. I mean, if you're trying to be Nuggets East, I'm not sure if the two players I'd be trying to go after would be Mason Plumlee and Jeremy Grant. But, hey, you, eh, you're not going to find a Jokic or a Murray just laying around in the free agent pile. And this is actually where that other ball brother ended up. Leangelo Ball signed with the Pistons. Um, eh. I mean, he went undrafted in 2018 and wasn't picked up, and there's probably a reason for that. It's a interesting move, I guess I'd say. It's I don't necessarily see him cracking the roster, but it's not impossible. And it's something that will bring attention to your roster, if nothing else, as as the Pistons organization. Spent the 19th overall pick on Sadiq Bey. And not a whole lot else to report on here. Uh, Okafer signed with them. So you're talking about a team that they still have uh, Blake Griffin... They're probably the best player left on that team, but you're probably him and Jeremy Grant are the only guys that are really locks as starters, I feel like, on that team. And not a team that's really going to... I mean, Derrick Rose is still on the team, and he's he's a good story. He can have some good games, but he is not a game changer anymore at this point. Um, in my opinion, Pistons are a team that's there. They're not an overly intriguing team to me and not a team that I feel like is really going to push for a playoff position this coming season. Then we have the Golden State Warriors. A lot of people's hot pick for, you know, comeback team of the year. Was really kind of between them or the Nets. The Nets still made the playoffs last year, so it's the Warriors. But once again, they'll be without Clay Thompson for the entire season this year. Uh, they did bring in Kent Bazemore, defensive wing, not really a needle mover, but they had the second overall pick spent it on James Wiseman. Uh, the best big in this draft and was in the conversation for the number one overall pick. 
for much of the season and could have still very well ended up the number one overall pick if it wasn't Minnesota that had that. And you're not replacing Cat with James Wiseman, and they aren't guys that necessarily would work well together in my estimation. So, not... Uh, Warriors still probably be a good team, maybe a playoff team, could could very well be a playoff team, but you're talking about Seth Curry, Steph Curry, who's a little bit older now, coming off another injury-ridden season, a lot of hopes put into James Wiseman, who has raw talent, doesn't... I didn't necessarily see the range from him in college. That's something he definitely need to work on in the NBA before it becomes a game-changing type of big. Uh, Kelly Oubre Jr. on the team. Draymond Green is still on the team. But you, you're, lo- you're missing some of that offensive punch. I mean, Steph... Really good, but without Clay and, of course, without Kevin Durant, some of that pizzazz that made that offense really fly is just going to be missing this year, and I don't know where they're going to get the pieces to fill in around Steph that will be good enough to really carry this team into the playoffs. Then we have arguably one of the more polarizing teams in the NBA. The Houston Rockets recently made a huge splash move uh, trading Russell Westbrook to the Washington Wizards to get John Wall and a first-round pick. Um, I mean, as far as John Wall, Russell Westbrook, I don't really like either one of them next to James Harden. Uh, I guess I like... Russell Westbrook slightly better, or I'm sorry, I like John Wall slightly better next to uh, Harden, but not a lot. That's why overall I feel like the Rockets won that trade, you know, that preliminary. Who won the trade? I'm going to say it would be the Rockets. I like John Wall's fit next to Harden slightly better, um, more for outside shooting reasons, and then, of course, the primary reason, though, is the first-round pick, and it's, I believe it is the Wizards' first-round pick, so it potentially could be a lottery pick. We'll see what goes on there. We'll get to the Wizards in a little bit, but this is a team that, I said polarizing because they are not a... This is a team that was kind of gutted specifically to play a certain style of basketball. Now, they did bring in DeMarcus Cousins. That's really the only, outside of that trade, the only real big move of note, uh, to me at least. They brought in a big that can actually play ball. But they, they kind of gutted this team to commit to a certain style of play that their coach was trying to do and then got rid of that coach who moved on to, I believe, the 76ers, if memory serves right now, and really upgraded, although I'm not an Embiid fan necessarily, but upgraded as far as roster construction goes. I don't know that the Rockets are going to make the playoffs this year. 
I mean, you're talking about a couple teams, one that we've gone to in the Warriors, and one that we haven't talked about yet in the Suns, who did not make the playoffs last year. And are only going to be better this year. Suns close to making the playoffs last year. And the Warriors, they were a dynasty. And yeah, they were going to be without Clay Thompson, but they still got Steph Curry. So I'm not going to necessarily count them out. And then you look at this Rockets team that's just so incredibly small. I mean... The only guy over 6'8", really, is DeMarcus Cousins. They have Wood on their team, uh, who's also 6'10", but... Uh, nah. I mean, not, not he's not all that good. Your best players are your guards, which isn't a bad thing in and of itself. But you're surrounding them by a bunch of wings, basically, and DeMarcus Cousins. I don't know. As good as Harden is in the regular season, I still think he's, personally, I think he is an overrated player who gets the benefit and gets hyped up because of his style of play. And the talent is not as high as people say it is. In in my opinion, I mean, you could have a different opinion. It's, it's wrong, but you can have a different opinion. So... Rockets, we'll see if they make the playoffs this next year. I I personally am kind of thinking they don't. I think they are the team that drops out in favor of the Suns making the playoffs. And the Pacers will be trying to keep pace with what they did a couple seasons ago. Not a ton of movement on them. TJ Leaf leaving. Um... I mean, you look at the moves, nothing really of note. They brought back Justin Holiday, decent move for them to do. But they're really kind of just hoping that a healthy season out of Oladipo means that they are back in and can compete this year in the East. Um, you're going to have another year of Miles Turner and Sabonis pairing up together, uh, you'll have, theoretically, a full season of Oladipo healthy, and watch him and Brogdon play together. Uh, who's going to be playing the three? I'm not sure. Is it going to be Justin Holiday? They did re-sign him this last, uh, they did re-sign him this offseason. TJ Warner, is he going to be able to hold on to that spot? He played great in spurts last year, but he is largely an offensive-only type of weapon, in my, from what I've seen from him. Um, so, Pacers largely rolling back with what they did last year and should be good enough to get them into the playoffs. But I don't know where you're looking on that team for who's going to take a step to put this team over the edge and make them a championship contending team. Large, largely, all these players that we just talked about, they are who they are who they're going to be. Like these are no longer guys developing, and you're excited to see what type of player they will become. 
they are who they are. So I'm, I guess maybe the Pacers are just hoping to play it big next offseason or whatnot. I mean, that's why there was talks of their pieces, their players being in trades, potentially. Um, blowing it up and rebuilding. Because I, I like the team. I like Oladipo and Brogdon. I like Turner and Sabonis. But I'm not I don't think this is a team that can that contends for the championship. I think this is a playoff team. I think this is a good team. But depending on what your goals are, the team as constructed, I don't think gets to that level. Now we talk about the LA team, starting off with the Clippers. Um, honestly, last year, I liked the Clippers better than the Lakers coming into the season because of continuity. This was a good playoff team the season before with the team as constructed, and then they just added to it. They added Leonard. They added PG. And they became an even better team, a team that apparently um, was not mentally – there enough, or together as a team enough, or what have you, a team that blew a 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets. Ugh. I mean, it's the Denver Nuggets. I can't blame the Clippers too much. That's just, that that that's a dynasty in the making when you're talking about the Denver Nuggets. But they did blow a 3-1 lead. So they looked at it this offseason and decided to kind of blow it up. Jamichael Green, gone. Montrez Harrell, <laughs> gone, but not gone. Just going across the hall. Um, Joaquin Noah, gone. I mean, wasn't overly a factor on that team. Loved that guy back in the day, but not really a factor anymore. And then they re they did re-sign Marcus Morris. They re-signed Reggie Jackson. They brought in uh, Serge Jabaka which was a move I feel like was directly made to try to compete with the Nuggets in particular because they needed a defensive presence inside to try to body up Jokic, which they just did not have against the Nuggets last year and was a big part of why Denver was able to come back from that 3-1 lead because Jokic could do whatever he wanted once he, once he settled out and figured out that team. He was able to do whatever he wanted, and Ibaka is the Clippers' attempt to counter that. Um, but this is still a team that it's Leonard and it's George. Ibaka will probably start, but you're you're looking at Paul George and Kawhi to be able to take this team back to. The conference semifinals, if you're a Clippers fan, you're saying our two are better than your two and we're going to the conference finals. I don't know that they, I don't know this team is better enough than they were last year to be able to compete with the Lakers. Because um, I still see the Lakers as probably the best team in the West. And... I think they more or less kind of stayed the same 
in my in my book as far as level <laughs> goes because you're not there's nobody on this team that's looking to take another step. Uh, Paul George, you can make an argument that maybe he doesn't crumble in the playoffs next year, and then that would be a huge addition for him. Ibaka is definitely an addition to him defensively, uh, but he's he's somebody who's a little he's a little long in the tooth. He's not the player he used to be. I I really like Ibaka, but I don't think he's necessarily a ch- game changer for this team. And then we have the Lakers. Ooh, it's the Lakers! Oh, they did moves. That must mean that they're all fantastic moves, and they're just, they're golden. Yeah, so, moves. They re-signed Morris, so the Morris brothers, or Morris twins, are still going to both be in L.A., cross off from each other. Uh, they re-signed Costas onto the Kumbo. Most likely not to play, but as an enticing piece to try to get Giannis to come over in a year. And then they bring in Dennis Schroeder. They brought in Wesley Matthews. They brought in Montrez Harrell. They brought in Mark Gasol. Oh my goodness, this team is so much better. Woo! But, oh, golly gee. You gotta look at what they lost. This is what this is what annoys me so much is you hear whether it is talking heads or just people talking you know talking around the water cooler if you will and they just look at what was brought into the Lakers and say oh my goodness the Lakers only got better okay so they brought in Mark Gasol and Montrezl Harrell but they lost. Dwight Howard, and JaVale McGee. That is basically a wash there. You, you get a little better shooting out of Mark Gasol. He's got, he's got more range. Harold does not add range to that at all for you. So you're adding a little bit of extra shooting, but you're losing defense. You're losing that defense. Gasol, very good defensively. Montrezl Harrell, very not good defensively. I mean, great effort, but just not, he's not good. I mean, he got eaten up by Jokic last year. So if you're looking specifically at the matchup between the Nuggets and the Lakers next season, Jokic will have an easier time against this Lakers team as constructed than he did against last year's Lakers team with Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. He just will. And then you look, oh, they brought in Wesley Matthews and Dennis Schroeder. Well, they lost Avery Bradley. They lost Rajon Rondo. They, I mean, if you want to count it a loss, they lost J.R. Smith. So... Yeah, they brought in some fun names, but you can't ignore what the Lakers lost in the offseason as well. So it's basically a wash. They they replaced the talent, the outgoing talent. And you can't so you cannot look at this Lakers team and tell me it is better going into this season than they were going into last season. You just cannot tell me that. You will not be able to convince me of that because it's just simply not true. 
If anything, they might be worse because you're ta- you're relying on players outside of Anthony Davis who are all past their prime. Now I'm gonna I'm <laughs> no way am I gonna sit here and try to tell you that LeBron James is going to be washed up this next season because I just that's just not true. But he is not going to be a better player this next season than he was last season. If anything, he will be slightly worse than this this season he was last season. Marcus All well, is not the player he was when he was with Memphis. He's not even going to be the player he was with Toronto when they won the championship. He is worse. He is I like us all, but he is not that all defense, all, all NBA type of player anymore. Very recognizable name, yes. But when you're talking about somebody who's 36 plus, it, it, his best basketball is behind him. But enough about LA. Um, let's move on to the Grizzlies. Another team that you can make an argument is just kind of rolling it back. But it makes a lot more sense for me with the Grizzlies than, say, the Pacers that we were talking about. I mean, they did add some some guys in the draft. They added Desmond Bain with the 30th pick, uh, Tillman in the second round. They added Sean McDermott as an undrafted rookie. But the core pieces... The, the pieces that really took them to being a playoff caliber team last season are all very young and still not playing at their full potential. Obviously, you have Jean Morant. Last year was his rookie season. If you think that that was a polished product from Morant, you're lying to yourself. Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr., is going to be entering just his third season in the NBA. I mean, you also have Valanchunas there, was an addition last year along with Justice Winslow. You're talking, and Winslow, I, I really like him in Memphis. I like him mostly just for that defensive presence, uh, defensive wing. He's not going to be able to shut down a LeBron or a Kawhi or anything like that, but... And we'll talk about this more when we get to the Nuggets. But you need a guy, you need a defensive wing if you really want to compete in the West. Now, I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you Memphis is a championship contender next season. Because they're not. But they are a playoff contender at least. And you're just going to see better versions of Morant and Jaron Jackson this next season. So I, I like Memphis. I think they're a playoff team. Next up, we have the Miami Heat. And this is a team that I can look at and honestly say was a huge surprise for me personally last season. I did not think that this was a championship contending team. I did not think this was a finals contending team, honestly. But they surprised me, and I won't go into this next season underestimating them. In fact, I think this is a team that just got better this offseason. Um, they lost Solomon Hill, Derek Jones, Jay Crowder. Though those, those are losses. But they brought in Avery Bradley. They had the 20th overall pick. 
um, brought in uh, Precious Achiwa. Uh, they brought in those guys. They re-signed Bam to an extension. Myers Leonard uh, Dragic re-signed. And a lot of their big contributors last year were all young pieces outside of... I mean, Bam's a young piece himself, but outside of him and Butler, all very young guys who were coming up big for them last year. Uh, Duncan Robinson is just going to be entering his third season in the NBA. Uh, You have... Kendrick Nunn will just be entering his third season in the NBA. Tyler Hero, his second season in the NBA. So I'm, I will not be overlooking the Heat again. This is a team that will probably be at least in the conference finals again next season for the East. And definitely a finals contender coming out from there. And... Speaking of finals contenders, we have the Bucks, a team that has been number one in the East the last couple of seasons, but has not been able to finish that off. And they made a lot of moves. Uh, I mean, Wesley Matthews no longer with the team. Frank Mason, Robin Lopez, Kyle Korver, uh, Ilasova, George Hill, Eric Bledsoe. All players no longer with the Bucks, But they definitely made some acquisitions. Former Nugget Torrey Craig is now with the Bucks. Um, they brought in Justin Patton. They brought in Bobby Porras. But the biggest addition to this team, and really the move that they're hoping really takes the Bucks to that next level and capitalizes on the superstar Giannis is Drew Holiday traded for him from the Pelicans. Um, really tried to get uh, Boban Madonovich as well, but that ended up falling through. So you look at this team. There's obviously obviously there's Giannis. I mean there's Brooke Lopez who took a bit of a step back last season, uh, but still a really good player. I don't know that I can look and say, ooh, Drew Holiday is a good enough player that you add him to Giannis and they take that next step. I just, I don't see it. I still think this is a very good team and this could still end up with the number one seed in the East because Giannis is just that good in particularly Regular season Giannis. But I do not buy into them as a finals contender. I, I I like Drew Holiday. There was a lot of talk about Drew Holiday and the Nuggets pursuing him. I was never of the belief that Drew was that kind of game changer. Uh, he's a good player. He'll In the East, he could be an all-star this next season, especially playing alongside Giannis, I'm sure that's going to open things up and he'll be able to capitalize on a lot of things. But he is not the guy who's going to come in and fix the problems that the Bucks had. 
hate to be a downer if you're a Bucks fan listening to this, but that is just not that's not Drew. And as as much changes as they made in Milwaukee, I can't look at this and say that I really feel like they're a noticeably better team. They may be better than they were last year, but I think they are worse than they were two seasons ago. Returning to the West, though, we will talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, Had the number one overall pick in this draft, brought in Anthony Edwards with it. Actually also brought in another noted rookie, Jaden McDaniels, out of Washington with the 28th pick in that first round as well. And those those are the really, them and Ricky Rubio, bring Ryan. I almost forgot about Ricky reuniting with the state of Minnesota. They're coming in and trying to be those pieces around Cat and D'Angelo Russell there. And, ooh, they lost Evan Turner, Evan Turner, and they lost uh, Jacob Evans, James Johnson. They didn't lose a whole lot in my estimation. But they re-signed Malik Beasley. Uh, they're bringing back Wancho. I actually sneakily really like this roster. I'm not sure if this is a team that's a playoff team this next season because I'll have to wait and see how Anthony Edwards really plays in the NBA, how he translates his game, along with Jamie McDaniels, but I'm going to have to see how they are able to play. But you're talking about a team with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns and then potentially being able to slide Jaden McDaniels in at the power forward, put Anthony Edwards in at small forward, and have Ricky Rubio running the point. In a hypothetical world, and you're rolling that out as your five, there's a lot of room to grow, obviously, and in particularly with those rookies there, and as a unit that, you know, a couple years down the road, could be a very interesting team, a very fun team to watch. I don't know that they're a team to push for a playoff spot this year, but could be could be a dark horse. Go from the number one overall pick to being a playoff team? Eh, eh, eh. But you head on down to the Pelicans. Uh, They lost Derek Favors, obviously lost Drew Holiday, Frank Jackson left, Jaleel Okafor left, and they brought in Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams, along with re-signing Brandon Ingram. Now, this was a very young, very talented team last year, ended up on the outside looking in of a playoff spot despite all the efforts of the NBA to try to get the Pelicans into the playoffs so they can get that eight seed and they could have their LeBron v. Zion 
showdown. Uh, did not work out for them. But nonetheless, this is actually a, this could be a playoff team this next year. A lot of young talent who started to be able to play together last year. Uh, you add Steven Adams in. Steven Adams, one of my personal favorites. I'm he's not, you know, a fantastic all NBA player, but he's something about him and just his the way he plays kind of old school, tough basketball. Um, I don't. I like the way. I like him. I also like his hair, long flow. I dig it. But you throw him in there. You obviously still have Zion. You have Brandon Ingram. You have Lonzo Ball. Um, and you're talking about a team that's likely a playoff team. Likely a playoff team. A lot of that will ride on Zion's health. Um, he was definitely limited last year. Not so much because of his health, but because of the Pelicans being concerned about their being concerns about his health, if that makes sense. But Zion was definitely a game changer last year. I had some hesitations about him coming out as a rookie and how well his game was going to translate into the NBA against full-grown men. But... It was quite clear that when he was able to play, he was effective and he was dynamic on the court. Next, we have the New York Knicks. Um, definitely a lot of turnover there. Taj Gibson gone, Marquise Harkless gone, Bobby Portis gone. Um, brought in some guys, Austin Rivers. Nerlens Noel, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, but really the most noticeable additions are going to be their rookies, Emmanuel Quickly out of Kentucky and Obi Toppin out of Dayton. And the Knicks were just a bad basketball team last year, and I say most noticeably the rookies because this is not a none, none of the other players they added are of the caliber to really come in and just change things, change the fortunes of the Knicks going forward. So, unless they're actually able to bring in a big-time free agent next year, they really have to rely on developing these rookies. Whether it's Toppin, whether it's um, Quickly, whether it is Barrett from last, their third overall pick from last season, they need these guys to develop because right now, as great of a history and as well known of a name, primarily that the Knicks franchise is, players have been showing that they don't want to go there. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, did not want to go to New York. They went to Brooklyn because of the state of the franchise of the Knicks and just the recent track record of garbage that the Knicks have put out there. So they need to show that they can build a team before they're going to be able to bring in 
a Kyrie Irving caliber player. And the way to do that is by hitting and developing on these rookies. You're going to need to see Barrett take a step this year. Uh, you're going to have to see what your rookies can do that you brought in this year and how those pieces come together. This is this is going to be a bad basketball team again. It just it's going to be. This season for the Knicks is about seeing how these young players play together and how they develop their game and seeing if they are going to be part of the future for the Knicks. Next up, we have the Oklahoma City Thunder. A lot of movement for them and a lot of draft picks coming up in the coming years for them. But uh, that, that's a that's a topic for another day. They moved on from Steven Adams. They moved on from Danilo Gallinari. They moved on from Chris Paul, got traded to the Suns. Ner- moved on from Nerlens Noel. Moved on from Andre Robin- Robertson. Moved on from Dennis Schroeder. That is a lot of players I just named there. And when you're talking about uh, Danilo Gallinari, when you're talking about Chris Paul, those guys were traded. Nader was part of the trade as well with Chris Paul. But they got draft capital back. This, they are a team that is committed to the rebuild, uh, and they have a lot to go at that with. Kind of reminds me of how the Celtics were years ago. And they went with those draft picks, and they ended up being able to get Tatum and Brown out of it. They did not hit on all of their draft picks, but they hit on two of them. And that's what... That's what Oklahoma City, that's what OKC is hoping to be able to do in the coming years, is be able to hit on at least one, if not two, of those draft picks and be able to put some good complementary pieces um, around SGA. Now, they did bring in a couple of dudes. They brought in TJ Leaf, um, basically a Danilo Gallinari light. Uh, not a ton of defense, but a lot of length and range shooting. They brought in George Hill. They brought in Danny Green. And they brought in Trevor Ariza. Also brought in Admiral Schofield and spent their 17th overall pick on Oletsky Poku, Pokusevich. Probably messing that name up too. But he's one of those guys. He was a 7 for 7 Footer out of Europe uh, shows great range, kind of similar uh, to Jokic in just the sense that developed ball skills at a young age um, because he he went through a late growth spurt. He played a lot of guard growing up. Um, Very raw talent, but a lot of people were very high on him coming into this year as a quote-unquote unicorn in this year's draft. Uh, So seeing if he, one, if he plays at all this season, I don't, if I were OKC, I'd look at maybe not playing him this year, 
ride with what you have um, and really go at it in earnest next season. I know that's a hard sell to sell to fans and whatnot, but his body is not ready for the NBA. Uh, I'm not 100% sure if maybe it's still an option to have him play over in Europe or whatnot, but you look at this team and you have... Uh, you have SGA, but you don't have a lot else on this team around. So I do not expect this to be a playoff team this next year. Uh, could surprise me. I mean, I didn't necessarily think they'd make the playoffs as constructed last season, but they were able to get in. Um, but now they don't have Chris Paul. And that's a, that's a tough ask in what's really a loaded West. And now the Orlando Magic, trying to see if they can make some magic. Um, yeah, sorry, I couldn't help myself. But they brought in Colt Anthony with the 15th overall pick. They also brought in Chuma Okeke with the 16th overall pick. Um, and really didn't lose a whole lot. They lost DJ Augustine. But you're looking to maybe try to upgrade um, a bit of that point position with Cole Anthony. You're rolling him out there with Fournier. You have Aaron Gordon. Uh, you still have Val uh, not Valanciunas. You have uh, Vucevic there. This is another team that is good. Probably a playoff team in the East, but not great. And, I don't know, I don't necessarily see anything on this roster that would show me that they could take a huge step next year unless Cole Anthony comes in and ends up being a Trey Young type of difference maker for this team. But I don't necessarily, I, I don't see that happening. Um, you have Markel Fultz, I almost forgot about him still on that team as well. This will be another playoff season for the Magic, but probably a first-round exit. And now that brings us to the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, who have uh, the second-best center in the NBA in Embiid. There's no way you cannot make an argument that he is better than Jokic. So, but I will say he is the second best center in the NBA. They brought in another couple of big men this offseason, bringing in Tony Bradley and Dwight Howard. So it's again, it's going to be a season that the uh, that the Sixers are going to be most likely bigger than any team that they go up against. Uh, they lost Glenn Robinson. They lost Kylo Quinn. But, oh, they also brought in, I almost forgot to mention this, they did bring in Seth Curry. So that's a that's a good add for them. Um, could probably slide in and play the starting one, if you will. Uh, although Ben Simmons will most likely be the primary ball handler still. But Seth is more that prototypical, if nothing else, outside shooter. Uh, somebody to give them some 
sniping ability. But you're still got Tobias Harris, you still got Joel Embiid, and you still got uh, Ben Simmons. And those are your main three dudes. And it's up to the 76ers, and it looks like they're going to give it another year to see if, in particular, Simmons and Embiid can really work well together on the court. So far, as talented as each individual is, together, they have not shown an ability to be elite as a tandem. Uh, Harris played well for them last year offensively. I mean, you don't really need a ton of defense when you're sharing the court with Embiid and with Simmons because as much as they may um, lack cohesion together uh, offensively, defensively, they're two of the better players at their positions in the NBA. And then you add a Dwight Howard and into that mix as well. It'll be another big defensive-minded team, and we'll just have to see if they can find some offensive rhythm with all of those guys on the court together. Now is the Phoenix Suns, the darling of the bubble, uh, really went undefeated in the seeding round, I guess if you want to call it, and still missed out, unfortunately, on a playoff spot, but had an active offseason, uh, did move on from Kelly Oubre Jr., did move on from Ricky Rubio, but added Chris Paul. And I've said for a couple years now that with Devin Booker and with Aiton there, what that team really needed was a primary ball handler and distributor on that team. And Rubio filled that for them, and you saw the Suns really develop as a team and be a borderline playoff team. And then you upgrade that position by bringing in Chris Paul. And I think the Suns are a playoff team this next season. Uh, in addition to Chris Paul, they brought in Jalen Smith with the 10th overall pick. Um, and they brought in Jay Crowder to add some of that wing shooting. Uh, this is... This is a sleeper team this next season. Uh, obviously, scoring leader is probably still going to be Devin Booker, but you're going to have Aiton in entering his third season, and especially at the center position, really coming into his own and coming into his body will be definitely, in my opinion, better this season than he was last. And you bring the quarterback in a Hall of Fame quarterback, if you will, in Chris Paul. And I just don't see a way that this Suns team misses the playoffs this coming season. Now it's Dame time. We're talking about the Portland Trailblazers. Um, decently active this offseason. They did lose Trevor Ariza, but brought in probably... An upgrade in Robert Covington. Uh, they did lose out on Moses Brown and Hassan Whiteside in the middle there. But they brought in Enos Cantor. 
and they should have Nurkic for the entirety of this season, uh, barring injury, of course. They re-signed Rodney Hood and Carmelo. Portland, similar to the Pacers out east, uh, a really good team. I like this team. I like the way this team is constructed, but I don't think this is a team that made any significant changes or has the potential to make any real jumps in this coming season to really push anybody who was ahead of them last year. I, Damian Leonard, Lillard, really big fan of his. CJ, big, I'm a fan of his. Nurkic, not, honestly, not really a fan of his. Kind of a tool. But basketball-wise... He is a good player, and you're talking about lining up next to him, potentially either Zach Collins, and of course you have Carmelo Anthony and whatever form that he's able to give you next year, and Covington coming in. Again, another move that is aimed, I feel like, directly at trying to compete with the Clippers and the Lakers bringing in a big wing defender to try to match up with a LeBron or a Kawhi. And in that sense, that was a very good move by the Trailblazers. I just don't know that there's enough around them. And now we move on to the Sacramento Kings. They were kind of my uh, my sleeper pick last season to make a jump. They didn't quite make the jump that I thought they might but we'll see coming into this year. They did lose Bogdan. They lost Kent Bazemore. Um, but they brought in Hassan Whiteside, who really kind of had a resurgence of a season last year with the Trailblazers. So they brought him in possibly to play alongside Marvin Bagley. Uh, they brought in, or didn't bring in, but they re-signed Fox there. So the Kings, still a lot of very young players who could make a jump and be a um, a playoff team, maybe. I'm not necessarily want to say that they're going to be a playoff team this year. I just feel like there's other teams that got enough better to hold off a potentially rising Kings Marvin Bagley just entering his third season in the NBA. Uh, Fox entering his fourth season. And, of course, they have Jabari Parker there as well. So I like what they – I like the five that they could be putting out there on the court. I think that their five could play up against most other fives and be competitive. Um – I mean, you have Fox, who's going to be extremely explosive. He's one of the fastest players in the NBA, especially one of the most quick twitch type of dudes. But I just don't know that there's enough other pieces, and you still got to get the development, in particularly out of Bagley, before you can be talked about as a actual like threat in the West for a playoff spot, for a deeper playoff push especially. And coming off of their first 
miss of the playoffs in, wow, forever. In a record number of years. I think it was some like 20 years for the Spurs. They had a relatively quiet offseason. Um, they'll still have Aldridge. There wasn't, they lost out on Marco Bellinelli. Uh, but they brought in Trey Jones with the 41st pick in this draft out of Duke. Uh, and they, they drafted Devin Vassell, number 11, out of Florida State. But you're talking about a team that's going to rely on their rookies, or not their rookies, their veterans very heavily again. LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, DeMar DeRozan, still the vocal points most likely, and particularly Rosen. And then you're talking about Derek White and Lonnie Walker and uh, Deontay Murray and those guys trying to add some pizzazz in the backcourt there. Derek White, CU guy, obviously, I really like him. I think he's a, I think he's undervalued defensively in particular. Um, but uh, I don't think the Spurs make it back into the playoffs. I don't, I don't know that you're going to get enough of a jump out of one of those guard positions to make up for diminishing returns from your other players, from from your other key players and. DeRozan and uh, Aldridge, who again fall into that category where their best days of playing basketball are behind them, not ahead of them. And then the Toronto Raptors. Um, not a great offseason for them on paper. Uh, Mark Gasol moved on, Serge Ibaka moved on. Uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson moved on, and as far as bringing in anybody, they didn't, I mean, Malachi Flynn with a 29th overall pick, uh, DeAndre Bimbry brought him in, I probably the biggest action in their offseason was just re-signing Fred Van Vliet, who got a big contract because he showed up big in the playoffs last year. And I'm honestly, I'm not convinced they're going to have another shot at that. I don't looking at this roster. I'm not sure that I see a playoff. Um, a, a, at least not a deep playoff roster here. You're talking about Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam. And yeah, um, I don't know where else you're going to be getting contributions from on this team. And, and Siakam, for stretches in the playoffs last year, just kind of disappeared. You didn't see you didn't see him take a step like you were hoping for if you were a Raptors fan. So I, they could very well still make the playoffs in the East. But... This is a team, in my book at least, that's trending in the wrong direction. They won a championship. They probably have some. They, they have some goodwill in, in Toronto, and really, 
largely in Canada as whole. But this is not a team trending trending towards competing for another championship anytime soon. You know, earlier we were talking about the Clippers and how they blew a 3-1 lead to the Nuggets. And um, what we're now going to talk about, the other team that blew a 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets because Denver Nuggets are just that damn good. The Utah Jazz. Now, they lost uh, Tony Bradley, which, whatever. Uh, they did bring in a couple of... Um, notable pieces. They brought on Derek Favors, which is, he's returning to Utah. Uh, kind of did not really have the time that he was hoping for down in, uh, down with the Pelicans. But he's now back with the Jazz. Uh, Clarkson and Donovan Mitchell both re-signed. And Aduka Azabuki was their draft pick, 27th overall, rookie out of Kansas. Honestly, he's actually somebody I was looking at the Nuggets drafting. I kind of, I was leaning towards him over Zeke Naji, uh, mostly because he's a bigger body, he's a thicker body, and that's something we kind of were lacking in uh, that defensive physicality inside, especially when we were going up against the Lakers with uh, Howard and with Anthony Davis. Now we're not going to we're not going to be going up against as physical of a team in the Lakers if we meet up against in the playoffs against them in the playoffs again. But anyways, that's a that's a conversation for later when we talk Denver Nuggets. But I do I do like that pick for a late first round pick for them. Uh, sit there and be able to spell Gobert when he can. And Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, still the vocal points of this offense. Bringing in Derek Favors and likely being able to slide him in at the power forward position. And then you have uh, Bodanovich still with the team. And I don't know. This is This is... A good team. Donovan Mitchell did great things in the Nuggets series. I mean, really only overshadowed by the phenomenal performance that Murray did, or we'd be having a completely different conversation about Donovan Mitchell. I mean, he shot and he was electric early on in that series against the Denver Nuggets. And this is likely probably a playoff team again. But I don't know that there are a team that gets out of the first round. Um, Dom Mitchell, young player, he can still get even better. But I don't see him getting better enough to really carry this team into the second round. Uh, Gobert, elite defensively, but limited offensively. You got some you got some outside shooters and Ingles and Bodanovich, but you you don't have another guy who's can really be kind of dynamic with the ball in his hands when I look at this team. Maybe I'm wrong, but I see this Jazz team as a playoff team, but a first round exit team. 
Then, finally, the Washington Wizards. Uh, they lost out on Jerry and Grant, Admiral Schofield, and, of course, John Wall in that trade for Russell Westbrook. They did bring in, obviously, Russell Westbrook. They brought in Robin Lopez. Uh, they brought in, with, the, with a second-round pick, Cassius Winston out of Michigan State. But a, a lot's going to ride on how Westbrook and Beal play together. Um, they have Hachimura going into his second year. How is he going to develop? And, you know, you have Bertans obviously there. But overall, you look at this team, and it, it, there's some good, there's some interesting individual pieces. And they could very well be a playoff team next year. But it's not, it's nothing that's, Game-changing. I mean, bringing in Russell Westbrook for John Wall might be might be an upgrade. It might be a downgrade. It's most likely just a wash when you're talking about the team. So, does it do anything to make Bradley Beal happier and make him want to stay there? Because uh, that's... That's really your only star there. Russell Westbrook, even at this point, is kind of um, waning out of stardom, if you will. He's he's had a couple of um, less than star-worthy seasons, I feel like. So the Wizards out east, I'll say they're a playoff team. They're not a good playoff team. Um, but that, that's going to wrap it up. Yeah, I, I know I did not talk about the Denver Nuggets, but that's on purpose. I started to run a little long in this episode as it is, and when I talk about the Nuggets, it's something that's going to take me uh, more than just five to ten minutes. So, so I want to allow myself to be able to really get into there in, without worrying about having too long of an episode here for y'all to listen to. So that's going to be it for me on this NBA preview show. I will be back and we'll have a show just on the nuggets here shortly, but I want to thank you for listening. Don't forget to give it a like, a follow, uh, give it a comment, whether you're listening on iTunes, Google play, what have you. Feel free to give me a follow on Twitter at AKCoachJones. But until next time, stay classy, y'all.